Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. Our show will educate you about OA's 12-step program so you recognize the symptoms of compulsive eating and find the support you need in a program that works to help you control your eating behaviors and maintain a healthy weight. In this next hour, you will realize you're not alone and that there is hope for recovery and a whole new life free of obsession with food and weight. Now, here is your host, Naomi Lapel. Good afternoon, and welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step solution to compulsive eating. I'm Naomi LaPel, Managing Director of Overeaters Anonymous, also known as OA. We're presenting this series to educate you about the OA program and how it's worked for those who struggled with their eating and weight. In the past two programs, we talked about two of the three levels of recovery from compulsive eating, physical and emotional. Today, we'll explore the third level, spiritual recovery, what it is, why it's important in being able to stop eating compulsively for the long term, and what kind of difference can it make to those who attain it. The 12th step of OA talks about having a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. To give you an idea of what this is about, I'm going to read you a brief excerpt from OA's basic text, The 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. For most of us, the central factor in this spiritual awakening has been our decision to trust a higher power with every aspect of our lives. In acting on that decision one day at a time, we have learned a whole new set of skills for living, skills which enable us to clear from our lives everything which might interfere with our trust in this higher power. Now we know we don't have to fear anything that comes to us. Even when things happen to us which we don't like, we know we have a way of facing each situation squarely and sanely. We have seen that our higher power will reveal something of value to us with every experience as long as we continue practicing this new way of life. We're no longer afraid of food either because we're no longer controlled by it. The glorious fact for most of us is that God has lifted the food obsession from us. Freed of the obsession and restored to sanity, today we choose not to eat self-destructively. We have new ways of coping with our problems now and new practices which make living a positive, joyful experience most of the time. If we should again crave more food than we need, we know we will find relief in the steps instead of in compulsive eating. 
With that in mind, today we're going to talk with three guests from OA, all of whom have long-term success with stopping their compulsive eating and achieving and maintaining a healthy weight. As always, anonymity is an important principle of our program, so we'll only be using their first names. First, let's welcome Atia from North Carolina. Hi, Atia. Hi, Naomi. Good to have you on the show. Um, I understand you're maintaining an 80-pound weight loss for over four years? That is correct, by the grace of God. <laughs> Fantastic. What was your life like uh, before OA? Um, do you have some examples of your obsession with food? I will start by saying that I have always been a compulsive eater, and so I was always obsessed with food. All my early childhood memories are related to food or attempting to get food and things of that sort. And I would lie and steal and cheat in order to get food. And so food was the predominant factor in every decision I made in my life. Wow. And that was from for as long as you can remember, huh? From the time that I, my earliest memories up until I was 34 when I came into recovery and I, I could not tell you, um, you know, what life was like prior to being a, a compulsive eater because I didn't have that experience. I, this was the way I was when I came into this world. Right. So um, why do you think you need spiritual recovery to stop eating compulsively? Like, what is it about willpower that doesn't work in this situation? Well, what I will say from my experience, and I will clarify, I've had religious beliefs and religion in my life for as long as, as I recall. There's never been a time when I did not have a belief in, in God. And what I know for myself is that having a belief in God was not enough for me to stop my food obsession or to stop myself from eating compulsively. The key for me, what was missing was the willingness and the ability to surrender. And that is what distinguishes my will from my life in recovery or the, the willingness that I enjoy in recovery is that when I was simply doing things my way, I was doing what I wanted. And really all I wanted was to eat. And it wasn't until I made a, a choice in recovery to do something different. And today happens to be the anniversary that I did something different six years ago where I actually surrendered my food to, to God, to my higher power. And that for me was the start of living a spiritual life versus where I was before, which was living a life based on self-will where I, I knew because of my religious bring, upbringing, I knew that there, were, that there were different ways to live. I just didn't want to live differently at that time because I was afraid that what I was going to be, essentially what my life would be like if I did surrender, I was afraid of what that picture looked like. Wow. And when you talk about surrender, what do you mean exactly? 
Well, essentially for me, surrender is doing what I am feeling spiritually led or guided to versus what I might want in that moment. And I can share an example from earlier today. Great. I, um, I got to work and I noticed that I had an attitude. And so like someone opened a door for me and I decided to go through another door just because I didn't like the way that the person was. <laughs> and I, that is not uncommon for me to, to, um, to have an attitude. The difference is that when I recognized and it took only a few moments and I realized that I had this sort of edge in my behavior today, I was willing to let it go and to, to behave in a loving and kind manner with people. And that is for me an experience of allowing my higher powers, um, my higher powers will to, predominate as opposed to what I wanted. So that's an example of surrender. Yeah, that's great. Um, So let's say I'm a newcomer at a meeting and I come in, I hear all this talk about higher power and God and spirituality and I just want to lose weight and keep it off. I'm not religious. I don't believe in God or I'm agnostic. I'm just not interested in all that. So how would you respond to that or how would you talk to a newcomer who is um, experiencing that? So one of the things that we suggest is that newcomers attend at least six meetings. And part of that is because when I go to a meeting, I hear ways of recovery or behaviors that people are engaging in that I might not think of on my own. And if what I was doing was working for me before I got to OA, I wouldn't have gotten to OA. That's a good point. (laughs) And so, um, you know, and someone might come in and not be ready. I was very, I, um, I've been told that I was fortunate because it only took me 10 days from the time that I went to my first meeting to surrender well, it took me 34 years and 10 days. And so, um, you know, people, when they come in, they're ready. And some people, it, it takes longer. We have a spiritual program. I've heard from, I think, at least two people in the past week on a telephone meeting. And we have we have all sorts of meetings in OA. We have in-person meetings. We have telephone meetings. We have online meetings. And... Uh, I've heard at least two people share that they are atheist or agnostic and they're able to obtain recovery because of the 12 steps, because it's not a religious program, it's a spiritual program. And so it is available for everyone who is willing to do the work regardless of our beliefs. Wow. That's very well put. Thank you. Um, So, on that subject, then, I understand uh, like a person's higher power doesn't necessarily have to be, quote, unquote, God. It could be a way that you define spirituality for yourself or maybe your group, your sponsor. But it does have to be something outside of yourself, right? Well, actually, I, I 
for me, it's not something outside of myself. It's something higher than myself because uh. my higher power is within me. And, and that is part of my belief system that helps me to recover. Uh, what the literature says is a power greater than ourself. And so it's, uh, for some people, it's their higher self. Uh-huh. But for me, it, it helps me to understand that that higher power, that presence is within me because one of the, the issues for me in the past and for many of us is isolation and also separation, feeling as though I'm separate from my higher power. For me, it was doing things in a manner that were um, shameful as though my higher power wasn't present with me, making decisions that were self-destructive. And so for me, it helps to have that sense of integration. My higher power is always present within me. That doesn't mean I I have a friend, her first um, higher power was a tree. And so, of course, that was something outside of her. And we, again, get to shape our own beliefs in this area, what works for us and what might work for someone today might not work for them a year from now, unfortunately, as I grow spiritually, my beliefs change and I'm not afraid for my beliefs to change today, which is another wonderful marker of being in recovery, that I don't hold on to my beliefs the same way that I used to. It's all right for them to change. Wow. And so have you seen your relationship with a higher power evolve from the time that you started in a way? I really have, and I appreciated what you read earlier because what I found for myself, I, I said that I was afraid before I came into recovery if I surrendered. And I I will say that one of my higher powers in the past was food, and the other significant higher power for me was fear. And I worshipped fear. I worshipped doom and gloom. And... So I didn't trust God, even though I knew God. And it took time for me to learn how to trust God, how to trust my higher power. And through working the steps, I have come to not only have a trusting relationship with God, but an affectionate relationship. Hmm. So I, I work on cultivating an affectionate relationship with my higher power that I didn't have before because fear was blocking me. I I did have to surrender first. It didn't come with, okay, now I trust God so I can surrender. It happened the opposite where I practiced surrendering. And the more I surrendered, the more I grew in trusting. And today I have implicit trust in my higher power in God. That's fantastic. Wow. Very, very nicely shared. Um, It is time for us to take a short break. So we'll continue with Atia after the break. This is Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay tuned. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. 
I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous. Help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with OA member Atia about her spiritual recovery and how it contributes to her abstinence from compulsive eating. Okay, so I'm curious how how is this experience of having a higher power and a spiritual recovery affect what and how you eat? Like, how is it different from when you used to diet and the choices that you make now? As I shared earlier, I surrendered my food to God six years ago today. And so I no longer have the illusion of control around my food. And I didn't realize before recovery that the control was an illusion. I thought that what I was doing to maintain my weight was maintaining my weight. However, I was never able to stay at a particular weight. I was always up and down. I was always binging and purging, dieting, over-exercising, taking laxatives, throwing up, you name it, I did it. The difference today is that I only eat the amount that my body needs to nourish it and I have to eat the amount that my body needs to nourish it. So there are times when I don't feel like eating Mm. and I have to eat and there are times and fortunately for me this is more rare. Uh, The idea of wanting to eat more which is one of the marks of my recovery is that that rarely happens for me. But if I, if it does happen, I, I get to surrender that desire to my higher power. And for me, the, the desire of having a relationship with my higher power is stronger than my desire to, eat inappropriately today. And that is a is an amazing gift of recovery because I always put food first in the past. And today I choose that relationship and that comes first. Yeah. And so it sounds like you make you might make a lot of choices in that in that area or in that vein every day. Like con- consciously choosing your relationship with your higher power over um, whatever is in front of you that might be in the way of that. It It is true. And I, I practice certain spiritual disciplines each day 
which help me to stay connected to my higher power. And they involve prayer meditation, calling a sponsor, doing step work. And also, as I explained earlier, the idea of surrendering my will to my higher power, doing things that I might not want to do or not doing things that I might want to do. And all of those practices help me so that when it comes time for me to eat, I pray before I eat. And my higher power, once again, it's my higher power's will. It's not my will. So I don't have to fight food the way that I used to, or at least the way that I thought I did. And food is no longer as powerful as it once was because I'm not giving it the power. Right. I'm curious, um, you said something earlier about um, uh, sometimes you might want to eat more. And um, I'm, I'm curious how you know, like, how can you tell the difference between you might just need a little bit more food that day. Maybe you had, you know, you, you exercised more or you didn't eat enough at another time during the day versus that's your compulsion coming up. And how do you, how do you make that distinction and, and figure out what to do in that moment? I, I'm someone who is blessed where I have an um, I can feel hunger in my stomach and I can feel it in the way, like if I have a headache and things of that sort. And when I'm done eating, I feel the sensation of fullness in my stomach. And I know that that's not the case for everyone. I, I have friends who have said, you know, I finish eating my meal and then I want more. Right. So that I, I'm blessed with that. And because I have that awareness I respect it because I want to keep that awareness. And so um, I'm very clear. And I also, I know the diseased voice when it comes, it comes in a voice of shame. And if it comes and when it comes, it, I think the last time it came significantly was on Thanksgiving Day, which is an, an, another anniversary for me. I share about it. And I know, and that's another wonderful gift of of health and recovery, which is if I have disease thinking come, I'm able to identify it today. And it's a different voice than my higher powers voice. And so I spend a lot of time in conscious contact with my higher power so I can recognize my higher powers guidance versus the disease thinking, and then I'm willing to surrender and follow my higher powers guidance. And so the disease thinking becomes even less prominent. Wow, that's, that's amazing that you've been able to learn how to do that and make those distinctions in yourself. Congratulations. Thank you. What a great story. Um, okay, well, uh, we are going to move on and talk to Renee. So thank you very much, Atia. Thank you. Um, okay, our next guest is Renee from Oklahoma. Are you there, Renee? I am. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thanks. So first, uh, tell us about your your weight loss and, and how long you've maintained it. I, I have lost about 90 pounds, and I've maintained that weight loss for about 17 years now. Wow, that's remarkable. Um, what was it like before you came to OA? Tell us a little bit about your history with compulsive eating and with food. I'm um, sure. Well, I can sum it all up in one word. My life was miserable. 
um, like a Tia, I can't ever remember a time when I was not a compulsive overeater. Um, I've been a compulsive overeater ever since I was a child. My earliest memories um, have to do with with sneaking food and uh, hiding food, and um, you know, it, it it's been with me ever since I can remember. Um, I before I got to OA, um, I had a really hard. Uh, physical bottom. Um, I I um, was really really sick. I had hypertension. Um, I had an anxiety disorder. Um, I was so out of shape that I couldn't do my normal activities. Um, and you know, just emotionally, I was just suicidal. I mean, my life was not worth living because all I did all day was binge. And um, so, yeah, it was just a really miserable way to live. Wow, that that does sound miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is your connection? What connect? Well, all right. Let me back up. When you first came to a meeting, to an OA meeting, and you heard steps two and three about um, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, and then made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Um, and you came to OA and you heard that. How did you respond to that? Well, I, actually, I had mixed responses to that. Um, first of all, when I got to Overeaters Anonymous, I was, um, I would say I was atheist, or at the very least, I was agnostic. Um, so whenever people talked about God in meetings, it really, really put me off. And I was, I was, just almost offended. Um, and then as I, um, as I went along in the program, um, I, um, you know, it, it was like I, I used to joke and say that I, would, I was only going to work a two-step program. I knew I was powerless <laughs> over food. It was very obvious that my life was extremely unmanageable. Um, and I did come to a point where I believed that there was a higher power that could uh, restore me to sanity, but you know what? I I was not about to turn my life and my will over to somebody else because hey, I was doing a bang up job, right? I mean, you know, life was <laughs> right. wonderful, and um, so it was really so how did really that difficult shift for you. How did that shift for you? Well, how that tipped for me. Um, one of the things that I that I really related to and that I really identified with, um, I love step two because when I when I first heard that step read, I felt like I was just electrified in my chair because when they said restore us to sanity, I related to the flip side of that. I related to insanity, and because it was very, very obvious that what I did was with food was completely insane. No one would, you know, would do to their body, to their emotional health, you know, to their spiritual health what I had done with food. Um, you just you couldn't call it sane. I mean, I was killing myself, and so when they read. 
when they read that word sanity, I just immediately related to that step. What tipped it for me was I got to a point, even in the program, um, where I was unwilling to surrender. But, you know, I, I just continued to meet obstacles that I could not overcome. And finally, uh, one day, I laughingly told God, um, who I didn't have much of a relationship with, you know what, I'm going to give you this one small thing, and I'm going to see what you can do with it, you know? <laughs> and And so that was how I ended up being tipped, I was only willing to let him have a tiny little bit, but he did an amazing work with that little tiny bit that, that I gave him. And so I decided, yeah, I might be able to trust him. So, Very interesting. And um, may, can I ask what that first little tiny thing was? Um, it was it was a it was a personal situation that I had going on that I could not resolve. And I just I kept going around and around and around. And of course, when I go around and around and around, that means I binge and I binge and I binge. Right. And so um, I could not bring any kind of resolution to it. I couldn't seem to get past it. And finally, you know, I don't know. I just had a feeling like I was forced to turn it over. Um, I'm a really reluctant. I was very, very reluctant. And um, so, I mean, but, but God is persistent. And so he eventually um, allowed me to just experience enough of the consequences of my actions that, you know, I got very willing. So. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Um, we are going to take another short break. And then we'll be back and we'll talk some more. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on Voice America. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to the show. We're talking with Renee from Oklahoma about her recovery from compulsive eating in OA. Um, so tell me what you think about willpower that just really 
wasn't working for you and what how spiritual recovery seemed to be a completely different approach? Well, I think that... Um you know, I think that um, no one wanted to stop eating compulsively worse than I did. I so desperately wanted to stop. I mean, you know, in the beginning, it was it was kind of fun, and, and it made me feel like I could do whatever I wanted to do. But, you know, for me, the days of it being fun had long since gone, and I, I was completely and totally in the control of my disease, and I couldn't stop, even on the days when I wanted to stop. And so for me, what happened was I eventually got out to the point with willpower where, um, you know, I just didn't, I didn't have enough anymore. Um, and what happens to for me is, um, I think our literature describes it really well. It talks about a curious mental blank spot. So I would I would wake up in the morning with the best of intentions. Today I'm not going to binge, but you know what? By ten thirty, by ten o'clock in the morning, um, you know I'd already faced trigger situations. I'd already faced difficult things in my day, and you know I I was unable to remember uh, or recall why it was that I shouldn't eat. Um, the compulsion, the obsession was so strong that it just, it just rendered what little willpower I had left completely useless. Um, so I like, I like that concept of a curious mental blank spot because, you know, if I had seen somebody else do to themselves what I was doing to myself, I would just say, what's the matter with you? I mean, you're, you're killing yourself. But you know, when it came right down to it, um, with me and the food, I could not, I just could not abstain. I, I just, the compulsion was, was, it, it just completely overwhelmed my willpower. And so, for me, willpower was not enough, and I, I had to speak. I had to seek some kind of spiritual recovery to stop eating compulsively. I just, I had to. So, and, and what I hear you saying is also that, with even if you had the best of intentions when you woke up in the morning, um, without another way of dealing with life other than what you had been doing already, which was eating compulsively, you really didn't have anything. No, re- I had no... To replace it, yeah. Yeah. I, I had no defense against that first bite, and um, I didn't have any, any tools in my tool belt. Um, I only knew one way of dealing with life's ups and downs, and that was to binge. Right. Wow. So the main text of Alcoholics Anonymous, which we use in the OA program as well, um, it's also called the Big Book, refers to a spiritual awakening versus a spiritual experience. Like one is kind of an aha moment, suddenly, uh, you know, kind of the heavens open and, and you have this realization and the other is kind of a gradual awareness and other people might even see it in you before you see it in yourself. Which experience was it like for you or was it something entirely different? Well, actually, I believe that I've probably had both of those experiences. Um, for instance, after I gave God that teeny tiny little uh, mm-hmm. bit of my life that I recently that I referred to uh, just a few minutes ago, um, when He came in and and did um, you know and really 
just smooth that situation over. Um, shortly thereafter, I had an unbelievable spiritual awakening. In fact, that that spiritual awakening that I had in the early days of the program, it completely and totally altered the course of my life. Uh, I mean, it was earth-shattering in a way that nothing else has ever affected me. So it was it was a very very dramatic experience, um, and I've had a few more of those off and on, uh, you know, throughout my 17, 18 years of recovery. But, you know, I've had a lot of just, you know, garden variety spiritual experiences. Um, And actually, I think that I could safely say that, you know, every day um, that I live in recovery is uh, is a spiritual experience. Um, Because I, you know, I just see God's hand in every single detail of my life. And, you know, his overwhelming grace and his love uh, is just so abundantly available to me. And so, yeah, I mean, today I'm aware and awake um, for for uh, spiritual experiences. And, um, you know, that's something that I can't say that I had before the program. So, Wow. Wow. That's great. Uh, how do you know if you're out of balance spiritually and, and how do you address that? What do you do to correct it? <laughs> uh, it you know what? For me, it's not hard to tell that I'm out, out of balance. Um, I am, um, you know, I'm just... I'm I'm uh, irritate, uh, irritable, um, easily annoyed. I want to eat more. I can think of a million reasons why it is that I need to have a second helping of something. Uh-huh. Um, I I don't feel as close to uh, to my higher power. I just I feel really off, and yeah. I feel like that I have just just a lot of negative emotions, and I act out more. Uh, and of course, I want to eat more. Um, and so, what I do to correct that um, is I do practice the spiritual disciplines. Um, I will, uh, you know, I, I pray, I meditate, um, I, I get out my journal and I write. Um, I might read some kind of program literature. I might um, go and intentionally put myself in fellowship with other compulsive overeaters or with just with my friends in general. Uh, and I love worship. Um, I love to, to praise and to talk to my higher power and to sing. Um, and so what I do is when I notice that I'm off, and for me it doesn't take very long, um, you know, I, I, I have a daily habit now, a daily routine of practicing the spiritual disciplines in the morning uh, before I go to work. I'm a kindergarten teacher, and it just takes a lot of grace to be around 24 students. And so um, I, I do have a daily uh, time in the morning where I practice spiritual disciplines, and that helps to ensure that I don't get completely off the track. So... Yeah. That's fantastic. Really inspiring. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your experiences with us. I'm happy to do it. Thank you for asking. Um, Our last guest on today's show is Joe from Indiana. Are you there, Joe? I am. Welcome. Thank you for asking me. Sure. Tell me how much weight um, have you lost and how long you've kept it off? I've been coming to OA for 23 years. Um, it took me a couple years to get with the program, so I have been abstinent for 21 years. 
I have been maintaining a 50-pound weight loss, uh, which is exciting to me for the reason that I used to be the yo-yo man. I was either on the way up or on the way down, and I have maintained a stable weight, 50 pounds less than I got here with, for a little over 20 years. Fantastic. And do you have any um, examples from uh, from your past before OA of your obsession with food? I do. I was constantly on a diet, either, as we say in the program, either running to the food or running away from the food. I can remember a lot of hundreds of stories, but one in particular that comes to mind, I, uh, my ex-wife uh, was helping me with this new diet that came out. We tried all of them with me. And uh, she had made this special food for me, and I was carrying it to work. She put it in a lunchbox, and uh, after a week of being on this special diet, um, she asked me how we were doing, and I got on the scales, and I actually gained three pounds, and she didn't understand that. And she left for work, and she came back kind of surprisingly, and she found me into my stash food. I was up to my arm, up to my elbow, in a bag of potato chips. And when we looked at each other, I I don't think that she ever recovered from that moment because I had just told her I had no idea why I was gaining weight, and there I was in the food. (laughs) That's great. Um, So what was was it like for you when you first came to OA and you heard all this talk about God and spirituality and a higher power? Did you gravitate towards that right away, or, or was it something that, you know, you had to work with over time? I gravitated in directly the opposite direction. I, my dad was a preacher. I spent my entire childhood in going to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. Uh, I had when I got big enough that they couldn't catch me anymore. I didn't go back to church. So for the next twenty-five years of my adult life, I swore off uh, church and spirituality and, and prayer and all that stuff. Uh, so when I got here uh, in desperate straits. It it, uh, kind of offended me that that's where they seem to be headed. But the beauty of this program is that when I went to my first meeting, I heard hope. I heard other people talking about how I acted about food and how I thought about food. So I kind of skipped on over the God stuff for a while until I got a grasp on the situation. And then I began to let the spirituality thing soak in a little bit. Mm -hmm. And and did you... um, We talk about... God as we understood him. So um, how did you formulate that for yourself when you kind of came around to it? That was one of the beauties of our, our program. Um, um, when when I tore off my father's uh, rendition of what God was, uh, I had made that pretty clear in my mind when I began to work with my sponsor, uh, much like the Alcoholics Anonymous program suggests, um, we begin to talk about me defining what my higher power would look like. Mm. So in a matter of a disdainful fashion to prove my sponsor wrong, because I was kind of a resistant um, beginner here, uh, I'd sat down like he asked me to do, and I made out a paper that included all of the personality traits, the uh, size, body shape, personality of my higher power, and I wrote down what I would expect him to behave like and how I would do what he could do for me and what he would do for me, and turned it into my sponsors, expecting him to chastise me, and he said it was a great job. Now let's sit down and begin to behave in a fashion as if this higher power exists, because he does. Wow, that sounds like a really powerful exercise. It was. Yeah. 
Well, it's time for us to take another short break. So we will be right back and talk with Joe some more. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I'm Naomi LaPel. Stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with OA member Joe from Indiana about the role spiritual recovery from compulsive eating has played for him. Hi, Joe. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, so tell me what, what your... Um, spiritual awakening or spiritual experience was did you have kind of a uh you know aha moment or was it kind of a gradual awareness i am what i consider to be one of the very fortunate people because i had an aha moment uh i consider my absent date beat january the 12th in 1992 uh i had been around the program for a couple years i really wasn't getting it. I was trying to work the steps. I had finally given up, gotten a sponsor. I was uh, saying my prayers every day like my sponsor asked me to do, but they were, again, with this disdain because I was sure that it wasn't going to work. And on the 12th of January, 1992, I can remember very distinctly, even yet today, I was mad. I had been in around two years. I was working a program. I was working the steps. I had finally given in to this, this uh, sponsor thing and was doing that also. And uh, I was still in the food. So I remember very distinctly praying, mad, I can't do this, God. And by that sentence, I meant to say that if you keep jerking me around, God, I'm thinking about leaving the program. But when I said the words, I can't do this, it occurred to me that that's what I had been trying to do. After three years, I was still trying to do it myself. And I was able at that moment to turn it over. Wow. And what did it feel like after after that moment happened? It was it was amazingly powerful to me. I would have said it couldn't happen to me even the day before that. I was not looking for nor expecting nor would I have accepted the thought that I could feel that powerfully moved 
by a spiritual experience. One of the very, very clear things to me was that was the first time for many, many, many days that I did not wake up having eaten during the middle of the night. It was one of my worst times to get through. And that wow. obsession to eat in the middle of the night has been lifted with me. I've never touched it. It has not touched me since that time. Wow, that's amazing. And and how, um, in your in your daily life, uh, apart from the night eating, um, how is having a higher power affected how and what you eat during the day and in your program? It, it is a serene thing. Uh, as I work with my sponsor, we all have our different food plans and what have you. And as he worked out what we would consider to be a good food plan for me, there's a, a certain thing that rings real true and makes it real easy for me, and that is our uh, three meals a day, nothing in between, uh, that we start out with. And that makes it so clear to me. And then my sponsor and I talk about what those three meals are going to look like. And in my previous life, uh, there was always a quandary about whether I was going to eat this next delightful thing that I stumbled into during the course of my day. And now my, my sponsor explains it to me very, very clearly. He says there are only two kinds of food in the world. There's your food and there's not your food. If it doesn't happen to be mealtime... It's not your food. We've defined it so clearly that I don't have to come down the stairs thinking about it. I don't have to look at the table at work. I don't have to look at the advertisements or the billboards. It's just clearly my food or it's not my food, and I don't wow. have to wrestle with it. Yeah, that's really smart. And how did you how did you know like how much in those three meals a day you you should be eating? I know that sort of goes into putting together a plan of eating a little bit, but I'm just curious. Um, when you worked with your sponsor, how did you figure that out? The, the beauty of the program is that we don't really, as a OA uh, program, we don't get into food plants too deeply. So with whatever medical issues I've got, uh, my sponsor and I begin to talk about what a food plan would would look like and work like for me. I mean, it makes a lot of difference whether you're 65 years old like I am or whether you're 22 years old. Uh, sure in regards to what you might or might not want to eat, with the bottom line being whether or not you are reaching a healthy body weight, Uh, whether you're approaching it or maintaining it, either one, it would be the bottom line factor in regards to how good your food plan was working. Mine is amazingly different from my food plan, my sponsor's food plan. Mm -hmm. And it is a changing, ever-growing process, Uh, things that bother you, things that don't bother you, I have occasionally run on to foods that make me want more of them. And I am very, very wary to have a food on my food plan that when I eat a reasonable amount of it, it makes me want more of it. Yeah. It sounds like from, from what all of you have been sharing, this, this sense of, of not just higher power awareness, but also self-awareness, this kind of ability to step outside of the situation and take almost an objective look at what's going on and kind of prescribe for yourself what is needed at the moment. Um, I'm just really struck by that. You want to talk a little bit about how that is for you? Well, there's, <clears throat> there's a certain uh, amount of truth to what you say, but I would I would beg to differ a little bit on one something that someone said in that um, I I don't have the capacity to trust what my stomach says about whether I've had enough food or whether I haven't had enough food. 
mm-hmm. and that's why when we discuss it, my sponsor and I define very clearly how much of each thing that I'm going to have so that there's no question in my mind whether I've had enough or not, because I cannot, even yet, after 20 years of abstinence, I have not been able to establish a clarity with my body in knowing that I've had enough food to eat. Mm-hmm. So for you, that kind of structure really works works well and takes the kind of the pain out of having to decide every day or every meal what you're going to eat. It does. It does. That yeah. is what brings me the serenity, is that decision was made when I was having a conversation with my sponsor, and while I was in my right-thinking mind, and I'm real, real clear that that's the best time to make decisions, and then I don't change it. Yeah. Um, how do you define spiritual for yourself? Like, what is spiritual recovery? It is the total acceptance that there is a power greater than me that can do for me what I cannot do for myself. I absolutely had no clue what that meant or how that felt when I got here. And there, it was hard for me to accept it. My sponsor, my first sponsor, and I had several conversations, and he helped me as he sat and listened to me share my story parts. Uh, he listened very closely, and he helped me put together a list. I can still remember that first list of things. I said, I really don't believe that there's a higher power that's doing for me what I can't do for myself. And he's begin to say, well, what about this? What about that? What about these things here? How did that? I'd first justified it as a coincidence, and that's just fate. And after about seven or eight of those in a row, you begin to give up and say, well, fine. Maybe a higher power is working with me here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you see your spiritual recovery affecting your life in general, you know, including food and, and every, everything else as well? When I, when I walked into OA, I'd imagine it had been 25 years since I had said a prayer or tried to make any kind of a connection with a higher power. Um, and I didn't really feel like I needed it. I was handling it just fine, like somebody else had. Even though it was my best thinking that got me here and how I got in so much trouble, I really didn't think that a higher power was what I needed. But by the blessings of this fellowship, uh, and pointing me in the right direction, a great sponsor and some super people in the fellowship here where I belong, uh, it... Uh, for, for a lack of a better, deeper, meaningful way of expressing it, uh, I'd love the serenity prayer that we use so often. If we could, I always keep that in the front of my mind. The, the world can be divided into two things with this prayer, things I can change, things I can't. And could and, you say the prayer just so people who've never heard it will know what it is? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thanks. And so you were saying it's divided into two things, what, what things you can, I can change. change. Things I cannot change. And there are times that it takes a good little bit of wisdom to help differentiate between what those two things are. And those sure. that prayer might help me with from... The time I get up till I'm with choices that I make with my family, my wife, my spouse, my my mother, or even the driver in front of me. Are these things mm-hmm. something I can change or something I need to accept? It's a, just a powerful tool to use, and it is a spiritual tool that I had no clue even existed when I walked in these doors. Yeah. So, so paint a picture for me, like just a let's say you're in traffic for example, and um, someone just cut you off, and um, you're mad about that, 
how would you approach that? You would say the serenity prayer, and then what happens after that? I would I would definitely say the serenity prayer, and my sponsor also threw another thing out at me to use as a tool. Um, we we oftentimes say a prayer for people. Uh, God saved me from being angry. This is just another human being that is struggling through life as best he can and is obviously having some miseries today. And it's like, man, I would wish that he would have all the good things in life that I would have for myself. Wow. Just very simply, so those things, and our program tells us that we don't even necessarily need to mean every word of it. If you say the words, it begins to take on a meaning and a life of its own. Is that kind of um, like that that concept of acting as if? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Very much so. And it, it's just an absolutely amazing tool. My first response to that act as if was kind of a hypocritical uh, <laughs> judgment of this situation. I judged my father to be hypocritical because he preached one thing from the sermon from the pulpit and behaved another way in his home life. But uh-huh. it's not a it's not a measure of being hypocritical. It is just like that this is what your higher power could be. Now let's behave in a fashion as if he could and would do those things because uh, my higher power has very much taken over that job of doing those things. Wow. And tell me um, what, uh, how do you keep a balance? You know, we've talked about recovery from compulsive eating being a three-legged stool, physical, emotional, and spiritual, um, and, and that we really need all three aspects to be in balance. So, so how do you see this as true in your life? How do you keep balance? The, the spirituality, which didn't used to even exist in my life, today is such a clear, huge portion of my life that I've been a morning person anyway, and that's the way I start my morning. I'm generally up before the rest of the world or anybody else, and I started out with a cup of coffee. My higher power enjoys the smell of a nice cup of coffee. And I started it out with uh, some readings that we have and some prayers that uh, work for me. And there may be a dozen times during the course of a day that I will revisit this prayerful attitude and use it to address different situations that come up. Um, And someone else was saying this very clearly also, that I can tell the difference between a day that I have taken the proper amount of time and the proper amount of prayer and meditation in the morning is a lot better, a lot different than a day where I hit the ground running and things are not going well and I'd get started off in the wrong direction. So today it's excruciatingly important to me to start off every day in that same fashion where I have this important tool in my life of prayer meditation, the um just it's just what works for me today. Yeah, that's that's just remarkable. Thank you so much for sharing. We've come to the end of our program. So thanks again to Atia, Renee, and to you, Joe, for joining us and enlightening us about spiritual recovery and what's available. You're welcome. As a result of OA's 12-step program. I'd like to end with a quick quote from the book titled Overeaters Anonymous and written by the Reverend Rolo M. Boaz, who is one of OA's earliest supporters. He described the process of recovery in OA as, quote, a journey that leads straight out of self-made prisons and limitations into green pastures where we find many, where we find many a table spread with wholesome food and a cup that overflows. On that note, if you've been moved by what you've heard today and think that you or someone you care about might have a problem with compulsive eating, bulimia, or anorexia, 
Go to our website at oa.org and find a meeting in your area or call us at 505-891-2664. Join us next week to get an inside view of what happens at OA meetings. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week. Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week's program, may you find support, acceptance, and hope for a renewed life.